Hello, this is Richard Wilson at the Family Office Club with, with an investor mandate interview with Ford of the Family Office. Welcome, Ford. Hi, how are you, Richard? Great. Thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. And um, what type of an investment uh, organization are you? Are, I obviously jumped the gun by, by saying the name of your organization is a family yeah, office, but, but yeah. uh, what, what type of family office? Uh, we're a single family office, so okay. I can give you that information. And um, we're going back five generations, back to 1920, when my great-grandfather, J. Steve Anderson, actually that would be four generations, but we got another generation coming up. J. Steve Anderson discovered one of the biggest pools of oil in the state of Oklahoma with his partner, Lev Pritchard. And they wound up in 1930, they were drilling 172,000 barrels a day. One of their wow. partners back then was Tom Slick. And that was in the hoops development here in Oklahoma in the southeast corner of the state. Um, so J. Steve Anderson discovered oil and he wound up creating Anderson Pritchard Oil Corporation that then was turned into APCO Oil Corporation. And um, it's moved forward. Now he, he himself sold out of that company in 1946, but his brother and his, his two brothers and his um, son stayed with the company until 1972. Hmm. And um, we divested from a lot of that company so that we could do private oil investments through the family office. Okay. And um, so it's an SFO and I'm an active investing family member. Cool. If that helps. Great. Yeah. I guess the, uh, the partner, John Slick was destined to be in the oil business, I guess. Right. He just got pulled. Sure. By, Tom, by the yeah, name. Tom. Well, yeah, Tom, Tom Slick, that, that Tom guy, Slick. he actually wasn't a partner. He was like a 1% shareholder in almost every oil well in the area back in the 1920s oh. and thirties. Okay. And he became known as the king of the wildcatters, not to get the Slick family. Right. Right. Anytime here. Yeah. Sure, sure, no problem. So I guess uh, I have to ask, since oil is at kind of an all-time low right now, how active are you in oil? Is this like a buying opportunity, or have you, have you guys moved past that? Like many families, they create their wealth in one area, and then they kind of move past it sometimes. Well, that's that's a great question, because last year, I was looking to divest everything that we had and move towards these other sectors that were opening up. And... Um, you know, I think it was about 60 or, or 50 a barrel. And now it's at like 32, 29 a barrel. I haven't looked at it today. Sure. So I think it's to divest right now, you'd be foolish because sure. you just want to go. You got so many people that maybe they're like families that are living in the Midwest or Southwest that have these inherited royalties, inherited mineral interests. And they just, they don't know that much about it and they don't know what to do with it. So, you know, for like $5,000, you can buy some mineral interests pretty, pretty, pretty effectively. And um, I think that's, that's really, one, that was actually one of the things I was going to talk about and how to save money. I think okay. everybody should start buying back into the oil market right now and um, just picking up interests. Like you can pick up batches of interests through online portals now. And um, Landman, they've got databases of people trying to just get out of it from families who inherit it and they don't know what to do with it. So yeah, buy sure. into it. That's what I sure, think. sure. Great. Yeah, thanks for uh, covering that. So in general, though, day to day, what does your investment committee or your family members talk about in terms of the investment <laughs> mandate uh, more broadly? Like, where's the scope of what you look at and what you don't look at? So what we've been doing in our offices for about 30 years now is trying to be in the bleeding edge of technology, the bleeding edge, of bleeding edge sectors with because, you know, we've already we, we've been uh, basically disrupting technology since the 30s. I mean, you think about it, 
the oil industry, we were disrupting whale oil. We were disrupting um, wood fuel. We were disrupting things back then. So our family gets together and we talk about what is going to be next. Um, I came up with this theory this week about it's like being at a high school dance. And towards the end of the song, you kind of know it's almost over and you're kind of getting ready to hear what the next song is. So we get together and we try and determine what the next song that's going to be playing is so that we can change the dance. In uh, the late 90s, we started investing heavily in carbon-based nanotubes. CNTs are this wonderful material that's grown in a lab. It's mm-hmm. uh, still a hydrocarbon, so it's kind of in our wheelhouse. It's grown in a lab, and it has, it's seven times stronger than um, steel, and it's, it's more conductive than steel. And it's, uh, you, know, it, you can spray it onto a window, and it conducts electric, electrical currents through the window. So wow. we put about a million dollars into a company here in Oklahoma City. I think we were the single largest non-major corporation investor. And um, we went down the, the rabbit hole with these people because they tell us that this is going to replace plastic. It's going to replace steel. It's going to replace wiring everywhere. And um, it was a, a renewable energy because you can grow it. So hmm. we got together and we talked about doing CNTs and we got into that. And then the technology was... Uh, not going to be usable until about 19 or 2050 so you know that's not going to get us to where we need to grow so you know the technology is just like 40 years too far out so we started investing in graphite mines because we thought that would get us to there and then um, hemp product production came about hemp was legalized so now hemp is really something that we're looking at hemp and also the cannabis industries we're trying to be like not too far out ahead of the curve but we really sit down and talk about how to address what's not happening today, but what's happening next month. What's sure. going to happen next year? How can we take the momentum that we've created with the family office and move forward to next year and the next decade? Um, and sure. uh, and sometimes it's, it's, it's turned for sometimes for us, it's turned out to be just, we invested in technology that was like too far out. It was like too sci-fi. Yeah, we need science yeah. fact. We're trying to invest in science fact that people haven't like all jumped on yet. Right, right. It's like something in the next three years or five years at most. Yeah, I think is really and I mean that's in off. sector, and that that's in sectors. You know, if you're talking about the stock market, sure. we've always been in a buy and hold. We've always been in a buy the IPOs and hold them for decades. Like we okay. bought the IPO of Apple Computers, and um, we've never sold it. Hmm. And my my uncle brought the first Apple II to our house in 1979. Right. We had to load programs on it with a, with a cassette player. So I don't want to go off on too many tangents here, but, you know, in the stock market, we've always been a buy and hold family. Okay. And, um, I mean, right now it's kind of like driving me nuts because I advise them. I say, you know, why didn't you guys sell out of this stuff like two weeks ago when it started to go? You could have like picked up more and then started over, but they're just like, no, no, it's okay. Let it, it's going to rise. It'll all come out in the wash. Right, right. I see. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, we were talking about retail right before we hit record on this interview. Uh, a lot of people, you know, before, you know, we were recording this during the virus scare, which hopefully will be gone by the time that some people listen to this, but who knows how long that'll stay. But even before that came, there was talk about, you know, Amazon decimating some retail businesses and stuff just going online in general. So what type of retail investments are you guys doing? What's kind of your thesis on, on that scope of your retail so we've had, yeah, we've had other retail businesses in the restaurant sector. We had a chain of restaurants called um, Pioneer Pies. We had about 30 locations and we were going to go really big, but then 
it just didn't work out. So now we're we're in the cannabis market. We have we've opened a, a flagship store in Oklahoma City, and another store in Tulsa, and we're getting ready to open a third store that's a drive-through only to address mm-hmm. the current market. And um, our 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 family office manager Kevin Gerson was very passionate about us getting into the deliveries and drive-throughs of this product. And um, that's really kind of one of the things is that uh, Kevin Gerson really said, you guys got to get into this, this market because people want it at their houses. They want it very, very little contact with people. And this was even before this. Right. So um, the retail market that we're in now is dispensaries. We started a company called the Apco Group, which is a dispensary development company. And okay. the way that that company works is we find businesses that, because a lot of the people who get into this market are drug dealers who just decide I'm going to buy a license, especially here because the licenses here cost $2,500. So yeah. So a lot of drug dealers just say, I'm going to be legal. I'm going to do this. And then they get in and they're like, well, I got to do reporting every month. I got to pay taxes. I'm getting out. And so they sell their places and we take over the leases of these properties Mm -hmm. and uh, we take advantage of the capital expense that they did to do the build outs. And it saves us about $75,000 per location. Okay. So in that way, um, the APCO group, a dispensary development company, is able to acquire small locations where we determine, okay, the location works, but you know, the drug dealer business model trying to be street legal doesn't work. So a lot of them, that, you know, I've, I've gone into some of these stores, Richard, and they're doing their back office out of a Tupperware tub with a notepad, a spiral notebook, not wow. even anything on computer. So wow. We go in there and we facilitate their back office. My chief financial officer of that company, his name is Thomas Michaud. I brought him in from a company that he created called Foundation Healthcare, which okay. is about a four, $400 million healthcare company that created sleep mm-hmm. study centers. And they also created um, hospitals okay. um, all, all up the mid-continent. I, you know, one of your questions asked me where we wanted to develop things. Right. I think the mid-continent and the Midwest is really where I want to target these, this cannabis retail market. Because right. if you go out on the coasts, it's very dense. And yes, there's a lot. But I think there's a lot to be had in the mid-continent and in the southwest. Right. The north mid-continent. north mid Everywhere sure. from the, you know, the border of Mexico up to Canada. Sure. Okay. So can, cannabis retail, definitely. Sure. Great. And then um, what about in terms of uh, outside of cannabis? What's the, the number one thing that you're looking to source in terms of an investment opportunity? Well, we're always looking for people that want to invest or, or get us into the entertainment industry. And again, this kind of goes hand in hand with the style of why we chose cannabis. We didn't know that it was going to turn out to be that way. So we just got lucky, which is recession proof and um, essential businesses now is the hot topic. Sure. So movies, media, entertainment, those are deemed an essential business. So if the country shuts down or if the town's shut down, it's going to have to be uh, allowed to operate because it's media. It's, you're spreading information. Right. And um, so entertainment, you know, we, I've, I've produced about 40 motion pictures. I'm a member of the Producers Guild of America in Los Angeles, and um, I've made movies with George Romero, um, a lot of people. And sure. it's, um, it's just really, really something that I'm passionate about. It was the 
defining factor of my identity within this family office because everybody in our family office was, you know, oil this, oil that. Oh, we got some gas stations. Don't sell the pipelines. And I said, you know, I want my own identity. I'm living in the shadow sure. of giants. Sure. So I got into motion pictures. My wife and I, we, we created movies and TV for 20 years in Los Angeles. Cool. And, um, you know, we got our Emmys sitting in the next room. Nice. And, um, so anybody that looks for ideas for motion pictures or television, I'm, I'm always ready to listen to them. Great. That's, that's uh, it's an interesting area. Uh, the whole film funding niche within the investment world doesn't have a good yeah. reputation. Usually it's people no, that are daisy chaining some deal and hawking something and, oh, you know, Brad Pitt's agreed to do this movie. And, you yeah, know, it's very it's, it's sketchy it's, at average. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, and it's, it's, it's a lot of that when you're in the independent market, almost 100% right. of that in the independent market, you're just like, this is a really dirty feeling industry. Right. And um, they're right. So once you start getting into the studio system though, um, you know, there's a whole other thing that That's you have what to changes change, everything. Which is, but it changes everything on a certain level because I've had friends who have done movies at Paramount where, um, well, I'm not going to name the studios, the sure, other studios, sure. but <laughs> what happens is that, you know, the, the accountants, they'll push the paydays out by saying, well, you know, we've got a lot of money that we're spending that we need to get back before we get to you. Right. So, right. you know, there's a lot of stuff to go into the contracts that you guys got to make careful, sure that your huh? contracts are, yeah, like anything. Yeah. anything you, you they've got a team of 20 lawyers right it's like the venture capital firm versus the little startup tech Lawyer, company if you know. yeah lawyers and accountants and uh they're always dangling the carrot of brad pitt and then you're married right 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 yeah exactly okay yeah thanks for commenting on that and not getting uh insulted by my saying that the space is uh sometimes perceived as strange or you know on, it's ed, totally, on the edge but it's totally strange it's, <laughs> it's a crazy industry because yeah. it's, it's like well it's kind of like the internet but worse because with the internet, you can see it as it's developing. You can look at build-outs of your websites. Sure. You can look at things. Like sure. our internet company we started in California, wonderhow2.com. Go take a look at it. Yeah. We started in 2007. And, um, you know, we would look at it on paper before it was live. And then when we looked at it live, you can see it. Right. We make a movie. You, could, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, who I worked with out here, and he's why I'm here now, he made Apocalypse Now over God knows how many years, 10 years. Right. And they filed bankruptcy on it. He didn't make a dime off of it. Right. Hmm. So wow. if he's not making a dime off of it, think about the poor guys that put in the money. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting space for sure. So um, what is the, the number one piece of advice you have that could make somebody a hundred thousand dollars save the hundred thousand dollar question? Absolutely. Here it is. So, okay. So I can give it to you in, in all the sectors I like, I wrote it down. Basically, um, you know, if you want to talk about it in the movie sector, let's talk about it in the oil sector first, which I touched sure. on earlier. Um, go out and start buying leases right now because the leases that you purchase right now, they're going to be worth uh, four times as more when oil goes back up. And you're going to have them and you're going to be able to develop them. And um, there's a lot of people out there that just don't know what to do with them and they just want to get rid of them. Sure. I bought a, a total petroleum lease under my APCO Oil Corporation company out in um, – Amarillo and um, I got it for a thousand dollars and uh, I mean it's made like you know 25 times that and like a right. hundred times that um, and that was just four years ago so that's that's the oil industry like really buy into the, the leases now because the ones that you get now they're gonna save you so much money right. and um, you know get into the Marcellus Shale I still like the Permian Basin Grady County you know, all these places are sort of shut down on development right now because 
can't make money off of the drilling now that you're buying sure. for tomorrow, right? Right. And right. then in cannabis, in cannabis, I, I forget what I said. Um, and on that last comment, we're recording this in uh, late March of 2020, in case someone hears this nine months from now and they go out and buy good, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So buyer, buyer beware. The yeah, other right, thing is, right. you know, in, in cannabis, um, if you want to save $100,000, do not do only one sector of the cannabis market. I'm not right. saying you have to be completely vertically integrated, but you really have to address the wholesale market. Because if you get into dispensaries like us, mm-hmm. you're going to wind up um, wanting to do wholesale. B2B is really going to save you a lot of money. The B2B market is even bigger than uh, the B2C market in, uh, sure. in medical markets. Um, right. The other thing is in, in entertainment, and a lot of these things are, you know, you, you got to make, you got to spend money to make money, right? So right. in uh, entertainment, you want to, don't, I'm going to save you $100,000. Do not make your cousin's feature film. Do not hire your family as people to work on your movies. Do not think that you've got a great script idea that you want to turn into a movie. When there are people out there that have been doing it for a living winning Oscars for screenplay writing, they have scripts they want to sell. Right. Buy, an, buy an Oscar buy an Oscar nominated screenplay writer. Buy that script. Have them write a script for you. Maybe right. $100,000. Um, and then you've got a named script writer that you can then get people to really pay attention to. Sure. Because it sure. all starts with the script. It all starts with the script. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think some of the most valuable advice is what not to do because you can easily just yeah. listen to that, not do it. And maybe save yourself a bunch of grief and just avoid that minefield, you know? Yeah, and I mean, there, you know, there's a difference between the, the movie business and uh, making a movie with your friends. Right. A lot of people, they don't know. They think, well, but this is how movies are made. And they'll even tell you, say, oh, my, my son's making a movie. And it's like, really? Okay, so is your son going to make a, a cheesy little drama about his life and how bad it's been and he's 22 years old? Well, maybe that's not the best story idea in the world. You know, I guess you're rolling the dice at that point, but you're taking a huge capital risk by making a movie of a screenwriter that's never had a credit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just like any time you do a first time bet on any operator, right? So first timers. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a very, it's a very, yes. Yeah, definitely. Which, you know, yeah. one of the things that we did in our family office, just a tangent is, you know, we've got a good amount of our investments that are risk. Obviously this cannabis investment is risk. I had a hard time talking the family office into letting me do it. Mm-hmm. We have a very, very regulated family office. And, you know, our, our banks, I couldn't get any money from the trust. I couldn't get any money from the right. banks. Right. I had to go out of my own pocket on my own. And sure. everyone was very scared. I guess you're, you're operating in the felony business. Right. And um, so I got into it. I developed the whole company. I created it with my sister. And, um, and then... Slowly but surely, the family office came around. The banks are still not into it. <laughs> banks right, touch right, it. right. But we did find other banks that wanted to work with me because of our family office. Because sure. they always wanted to get involved with what Kevin and I have been doing there. And right. um, so other banks came to the table. And they, Makes and sense. They, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Great. Well, we're going to have a, um, a virtual investor discussion panel on cannabis coming up. You know, I might have already talked to my team about that. And we're doing a virtual investor discussion panel every week. And then once this virus is gone, you know, perhaps we could have you at one of our live investor summits. You know, I'd stage. love that, Richard. I would yeah. love that, Richard. I, I've spoken at a couple of them before. Cool. And I think the thing that you're doing with family offices is so important right now because 
family offices, they operate in this bubble. And, right. um, and what your organization does is it helps them to get out of the bubble and understand that the challenges that you're facing as a family office, they're not unique. Right. They're common across the whole landscape of F- FOs. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, appreciate whether, you it's sing- the time. whether it's single or multiple. Yeah. Listen, sure. thank you so much for having me on. And, um, and um, on behalf of Kevin and myself and family office, uh, have a great time out there and be safe. And um, yeah. again, thank you so much. You too. Enjoy the five acres. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.